Hello and welcome to the first ever episode of The Brando Show. Um, I'm your host, Brandon Eddy. Um, for those of you that don't know me, this show is based here in Utah County, Utah. Uh, to present myself a little, I'm a huge sports fan. I, I like all sports, ranging from soccer to the NBA to baseball, golf, anything you can think of, we'll talk about it on this show and should be lots of fun. Um, coming out of Utah, this is a this is a show where we will talk about the Utah Jazz a lot, one of the main topics. Probably about every show, we will have a segment about them just to update out on how the life is going for the Utah Jazz. As well as that, I'm also a big BYU fan. I will be studying there in the fall, so we will be having probably a weekly update on BYU football and basketball. And then when the season starts, obviously every show will be touching a bit on that. But to get started today, I want to just start out this episode um, talking a bit about the NBA restart. So as everyone knows, on March 12th, the NBA season, March 11th actually, the NBA season was postponed because of the coronavirus. Rudy Gobert from our very own Utah Jazz, tested positive, and everything went downhill from there. Here we are four months later, and we've got NBA basketball back. All 22 teams, 22 of the 30 teams are in, down in the bubble in, in Orlando, playing, and the games have been great so far. I think we're on the fifth day today, sixth day, sixth day maybe? We've already had four Jazz games, so lots to go over, the overall feel of how the team's playing, and then... Also, we'll touch a little bit on the rest of the NBA. Um, about 30 minutes ago, just just finished up watching the Jazz win their fourth game against the Memphis Grizzlies. Overall, it looked better. Um, the team was, was definitely a lot more smooth on the offensive end. The starters brought the energy they needed to bring, something that they had lacked some of the other games, and it was a good win. Um, just looking through the, the numbers really quick, Joe Ingles, with a game-high 25 points, six threes, he was on fire. Mike Conley brought the energy against his own team, 23 points. Rudy with 21, Donnie with 18, and Royce O'Neal with 15. So every starter with over 15 points, obviously, that's amazing. That's what we need. Jordan Clarkson helping a little bit off the bench with 14, like he usually does. So it was a good win. The Grizzlies here in in um, Orlando are winless, haven't been able to get in the victory column yet, and they've really been struggling, looking for wins. They played with the energy they needed today. Grayson Allen was money hitting seven threes, or six threes, excuse me, 20 points, but it just wasn't enough. And now they're only a game ahead of the Blazers in that eighth spot. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens um, for them. But to talk a little about a little bit about the Jazz, we kicked things off last Thursday, about a week ago, against the Pelicans. It was the first game of the restart. Um, kind of, got to be honest, wasn't the prettiest game to watch. Brandon Ingram went off, dropped 23 points. Zion Williamson, the guy everyone wanted to watch, only played for a few minutes, did score 13. The Pelicans led most of this game. They had about a 10-point lead at half, um, a lead most of the third quarter, fourth quarter, until the Jazz finally made the push back to take the win. 
um, with, of course, Donovan Mitchell, the assist to Rudy Gobert to seal it off, Rudy getting fouled and making two free throws. Jazz winning 106-104. Really a good win. I mean, from what I saw from the New Orleans Pelicans, not a bad team. Obviously one and two in the bubble right now. Um, let's see, with the game coming up tonight, they did get beat pretty handily um, against the Clippers the other night, but they bounced back against the Grizzlies. So it wasn't a bad loss. The Jazz just did not look the best um, that game. It wasn't a bad win. Obviously, we'll take any win. They just didn't look the, the greatest. Game number two against the Thunder, Saturday about noon. Um, did not go great. The Thunder had to lead the whole game. Jazz never even, never even led and won by about 20. So there were definitely a lot of problems. Um, highest scoring player, Donovan, with only 13. Just really, we weren't even in it from the beginning. They, they didn't bring any energy and not a lot of positives out of that game. So going into Monday's game against the Lakers, obviously we were a little uh, concerned, wondering what we were going to see. But it was a positive game. I would say lots of good, um, lots of good things we could take from this game. Uh, the Jazz led lots of the first quarter, lots of the second quarter. We're down by two at halftime. Came out pretty well in the third quarter to take the lead. But Los Angeles ended the third quarter on a 19-2 run that really killed us. And the Jazz ended up losing by eight. So I, I, I felt like maybe I was going to touch a little bit on on what I felt was the difference of this game. So it's it's been a reoccurring theme that we've seen with the Jazz throughout this bubble, um, these bubble games. And I think I think Quinn Snyder's starting to catch on to it as well because today in the game with Memphis, we didn't really see that. But when Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley are not on the floor, the Jazz don't have a flow on offense. Donovan, obviously, against the Lakers, dropped 33. Mike followed him up with 24. But besides that, if you remember, with about four minutes left in the third quarter, they subbed them both out. I think Jordan Clarkson was on the floor with uh, Emmanuel Moutier, and then maybe, um, I can't remember if Rudy was in, I don't think he was, but just just not having Donovan and Mike on the floor made a big difference, and the Lakers went on a huge 19-2 run, like I said, that eventually was the difference in the game. Anthony Davis obviously scoring 42 points. The Jazz just really didn't have an answer for him, but who does in the NBA? The man's amazing. So that was something that I had noted and that I wanted to see the Jazz make a difference was leave Donovan or Mike on the floor at all times. And I know it's tough, and I know these games aren't as important for us. We're already in the playoffs. Um, but really, if we want to have a chance, one of those two guys has to be on the floor. I'm confident with either of them having the ball in their hands, making plays. But it just feels like when they're not on the floor, it's Jordan Clarkson shooting every play, and we have no flow. Today was a lot better against the Grizzlies. Um, the first quarter wasn't great. Jazz bounced back in the second, outscoring Memphis 39-24 to in the second quarter by 15 points. Eventually probably was the difference in the game as we won by nine. Um, but I saw a lot of great things. Obviously, looking at the stat line here, Donovan, 18 points, a decent game, but a plus 22, plus or minus, when he was on the floor. Mike Conley, 23 points, looked really smooth, seven for seven from the free throw line, hit four threes. 
plus 14 when he was on the floor. So that's what I'm saying. When these two are on the floor, it just looks different. Jordan Clarkson, a better game, 14 points, but minus 11, plus or minus. So you can see the difference when looking in um, – I mean, just looking at these stats, you can see the difference between when Donovan or Mike are on the floor and when they're not. Um, overall, I felt like it was a good game. Um, good to get back in the in the victory column, and we'll move on from this with, obviously, the Suns on Friday. Um now I'd like to move into a segment that I'm going to call the triple-double, um, where I talk about three positives and two negatives that I've seen from the Jazz this last week. Obviously, a triple-double. Triple, na- triple positive, double negative. So to start off with the positives, something that I really liked today was the three-point shot from the Jazz. Now, looking back even a game ago against the Lakers, there were lots of open looks. We were moving the ball. We were getting our shooter shots. They just weren't falling. Today we did the same thing. Lots of open looks, lots of threes, but they started falling. As we made 18 threes today, which is obviously a lot better than the the other nights against the Lakers, only 12. Sorry. Against the Thunder, only eight. And against the Pelicans, only eight as well. So, I mean, 18 is much better than those games. We shot 40% from three. And really, it has been a positive. When we look at Boyan Bogdanovich, obviously a 20-point scorer, someone that everyone in the league knew the Jazz were going to miss, Coach Q said, we're going to have to shoot more threes. And that's what they did tonight. 45 threes, 18 of them going down. And that eventually, I would say, was the difference in the game. Obviously, Joe Ingles hitting six of them, lots of timely threes, and Really just a big improvement. So that's my first positive has been the three-point ball. First two games, definitely not a good thing. But the last two games, Lakers and Grizzlies were getting lots of open looks, and they're starting to fall. Um, My second positive here on the triple-double segment would be the ball movement from the Jazz. Um, The ball movement has honestly looked great. I think that they've been – the offense hasn't been stagnant – except for when maybe Jordan Clarkson is in. And, I mean, you got to live with that for uh, in some in some point because he drives, he gets in the lane, he creates a shot, and he had 14 points today. But still, the starting five, the ball movement has looked great. I mean, you, you, you go back and you look at some of these clips against the Grizzlies, and there's three, four, five passes and a wide-open three for Royce or Mike or, or Jingles. So it's just been – it's been fun to watch against the Lakers, one of the better defensive teams in the league, obviously. Number one in the West. Lots of wide open threes, lots of great ball movement, and they've been looking for Rudy up top as well. So I think that's definitely a positive that we've seen from these first few games. My final positive is going to be the starters. Obviously, the, the main question for the Jazz is how are they going to make up for these 20 points that you're missing from Boyan Bogdanovich? And there's lots of different guys. There's Joe Ingles, George Niang, Tony Bradley, Clarkson, Moutier. Obviously, I'll have to contribute. But in the end, it's going to come down a lot to the starters, especially as we get into the postseason, as we're looking at the playoffs. These guys are going to get the majority of the minutes like they did today, and they're going to have to make the most of it. So I just wanted to listen to this this stat line for a second here. Royce O'Neal, 15 points. Rudy Gobert, 21 points. Mike Conley. 
23 points. Joe Ingles, 25 points. Donovan, 18 points. When Donovan is the fourth lowest of your starting five, I'd take it. If everyone's over 20, I mean, that's 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 a balanced attack. Donovan's not having to do everything. He didn't have a bad night. We still won. I mean, you got to take it. That's what you need from the starters. And that's what I've liked so far. You look back at the Lakers as well. 33 from Donovan, 24 from Mike, 16 from Rudy. Um, Joe and Royce struggling a little bit. The game against the Thunder, not as good from the starters. Against the Pelicans, 20 from Donnie, 20 from Mike, 14 from Rudy, 13 from Royce, 13 from Eagles. So, I mean, it's balanced. It's a balanced attack. Obviously, today probably being the best game we've seen from the starters. But that has been a positive thing. And I think that um, if we're looking at trying to make up for the 20 points that we missed from a starter in bogey, it's got to come from Joe. Um, 25 today. Obviously, he's probably not going to drop 25 every game. But if we can see that same mentality, he shot 11 threes. We want him to shoot his threes. The man can knock him down. That's going to be a big difference maker for the Jazz going forward. Two negatives here on this uh, triple-double segment. I would have to start out with the bench play. I mean, it just has not been great. I was reading something on ESPN just the other day. Um, the main question for the Utah Jazz going into the playoffs is, what is the bench going to provide? And you look at today against the Grizzlies, Jordan Clarkson, 23 minutes, George Niang, 17 minutes, Tony Bradley, 11 minutes. So these guys are getting minutes, but the production just hasn't been there. Obviously, Clarkson shot 14 times today, 14 points. I mean, he's been shooting a ton. So he gives us a little production because he shoots so much. But George Niang, one for five, three points. He knocked down a three. George Niang, the other game, 0 for three from three. Thunder, one for seven from three. Pelicans, 0 for six, 0 for three from three, excuse me. So he's really struggling, and we're going to need him to pick it up. Um, I think something interesting that you saw today was as George was subbed out for the last time, he had just missed an open three, and Joe Ingles goes over to him and, and, and tells him, you know, keep shooting. The Jazz have all the confidence in the world in this guy. I mean, he's a three-point shooter. That's what he does for this team. Uh, he needs to keep shooting, but that's definitely been a negative for them so far. The bench, the bench play has not helped very much. It's been heavily, heavily, we've been heavily reliant on the starters. So that they will definitely have to step it up. The bench will definitely have to step it up if we're looking to win some series here in the playoffs. My final negative for this segment would be the turnovers. Um, the Jazz have really been struggling with the turnovers. Let's see, 17 today. The second half, I think maybe only two. I mean, it looked a lot better. The first, second quarters, we were turning it over a lot again. Obviously, the second second half looked much better. The Lakers, 21 turnovers the other night. Against the Thunder, 21 turnovers again. And against the Pelicans, 20. So, I mean, that's that's a high. Today, obviously, a little better, but that that's too many turnovers. We don't want to see that. And the thing with the Jazz is, I mean, without Bogey, we have not been getting out on, on a fast break. I mean, I was going to put this into the negative as well. They're just, they're just really playing a different style of ball, which maybe isn't bad, but we don't get out on the break at all. So if we're not going to run the fast break, like today we might have had five fast break points or something like that. If we're not going to get out on the break, 
then we really have to limit the turnovers so that the other teams don't beat us on, on the fast break and don't kill us that way. So that's my triple-double for the day. Um, the three-point shot, ball movement, and starters all being positive. The bench play and the turnovers definitely been something that has been negative for the Jazz here um, in this restart. But four more, four more seeding games to come. Got the Spurs twice, the Mavericks once, and then one other that I can't remember at this time. But we got four games to get ready for the postseason. Um, hopefully we don't have to play the Rockets and we'll be ready to go. To end out this first segment about the Jazz, um, I think that every time we're going to have a, an episode on this podcast, we're going to have to talk about the player of the week. And I don't know. I mean, I've watched all four of these games. And I think that it's hard not to go with Rudy, Donnie, one of the two obviously being the player of the week. But just to start it off, I'm going to go with someone maybe not as conventional. My player of the week for the first four Jazz games is Royce O'Neal. So before I explain why, just listen to these stats for a second. Against the Pelicans, 12 points, hit two threes. Nine boards, three assists, two steals. I mean, the man, I guess we're putting him at, let's see. Yeah, he's playing the three right now. He might be the best best rebounding three in the league. I mean, he's just getting all the boards. Against the Thunder, didn't play as many minutes, got in early foul trouble, that didn't help. Against the Lakers, 13 boards, five points, five assists, four steals. Let's just pause a second. Okay, and then today, sorry, today against the Grizzlies. 15 points, 7 boards, 3 assists, and a steal with a plus or minus of 16. Every game is plus or minus is positive. I mean, he's just been great for us. Well, let's just pause a minute and talk about this man's defense. I'm watching the Lakers, and I haven't watched the Lakers play for a little while. Um, it's, been a, it's been a minute, and I'm watching LeBron. And obviously, watching LeBron, you're, you're waiting any second for him to do something insane. And I'm seeing this defense that Royce O'Neal is playing on him. I mean, this man is an underrated defender. I mean, he didn't lock – you can't lock LeBron down. But you go wa- go back and watch. LeBron, 9 for 16 from the field, not bad. 22 points. I mean, he did his thing. But when Royce was on him, it was tough for him to drive. Royce was contesting his shots. There was one time LeBron got a layup. and I mean, but you just got to look through his – the intensity he brings every game. The defense that he plays, I mean, this man, he is killing it for the Jazz right now. He's an X-factor that people don't talk about enough. To sum that up, I mean, you, you go back and you look at this Grizzlies game today. There's a fast break in Dylan Brooks, who played pretty well for them. Um, I think he had 23 points this afternoon. He's taking this fast break in, and Royce is guarding him. And Royce just straight up takes the ball right away from this man, like it's nothing they call it jump ball, obviously, because he's on a fast break. He's trying to lay it up, and Royce just grabs it. So they call it jump ball, but you look back at the replay, and Royce just stares him down. I mean, he just muscled that ball away from him. So this boy, he's got a swagger that he plays with on defense. He knocked down three threes today. He was in the he was in he was in his groove. He was smooth. Fifteen points. I mean, he's doing great for the Jazz, and he's got to keep it up. He's going to be a key come playoff time. He's our he's our main defender. If we get the Rockets, he's going to be on on James Harden. I mean, this man's our guy. So 
my my jazz player of the week for this week is definitely Royce O'Neal. Shout out to that man. All right. Thanks for listening to that first segment. When we come back, we talk the NBA restart overall. What are the best what's the best we've seen from each team, player of the week, game of the week, and more coming up on the Brando Show. And we're back here on the Brando Show, heading into another segment here. Um, if you missed it, we just uh, just finished the first segment talking about the Utah Jazz and the restart and how they are playing, how everything's going for our very own Jazz. Now, here in the second segment, we'll touch a little on the NBA overall. So obviously, it's just great to have basketball back. I mean, there's no other way to to put it. It's been great. Um, now on the sixth straight day of of basketball, at at any time you can think of, you got morning games, we got afternoon games, we got night games, and it's just been lots of fun to watch overall. Um, th- these games have been, I mean, these games have been really competitive. I don't know what else we could ask for, really, as just as basketball fans, I mean, we've had close games. We've had the top teams, the Bucks and the Lakers and the Clippers all lose. I mean, it's been unexpected. It's been fun. There's been big games, crazy shots like we'll go into here in a few minutes. But just just to, to go over a little bit of where we're at, you know, about four games into the restart, there are about four more games left here in this seeding situation. Um, in the East, things are pretty pretty set at the top. The Bucks number one, obviously. Raptors, second seed. The Celtics still hold about a game and a half lead on the Heat for third. Fourth, the Heat. Pacers in fifth, a game back. The Sixers in six, a few games back. And then the Nets and Magic, obviously, rounding it out 7-8. and eight. So, like we had anticipated, um, not much changes there. There's not really a race for the 8th seed, as the Wizards are pretty far behind and haven't won yet um, here in the bubble. So, it's been kind of tough for them, but that's what we expected. Obviously, without John Deal and Bradley, or John Wall and Bradley Beal. If we looked in if we look in the West, the Lakers the other night with a win against the Jazz clinched the number one spot. Clippers at two, only a game ahead of the Nuggets at this point. Pretty likely that they'll stay there. They did lose yesterday against the Suns, a game we'll get into here in a second, but they have looked really good and will probably stay in second. The Nuggets have now won two in a row in third with a game-and-a-half lead on the Utah Jazz, who have a half, who are a half game ahead of the Rockets. Hopefully that will change so we don't have to play them in the first round. <laughs> the Thunder in sixth with the Mavericks, looking like they're going to be in seventh. Now here's where it gets interesting. We've still got six teams that are technically alive for this 8-9 play-in. Um, the Kings obviously have lost their first three games. Doesn't look likely that they're going to sneak in there. The Suns, on the other hand, have won their first three games, and even though they were way behind, 
now find themselves only about a game and a half out of ninth, which is crazy. They're playing really well, so anything could happen. Pelicans, only a game back on the Blazers. The Spurs, only a half game out on the Blazers. And the Blazers by themselves in ninth, only one game out of eighth where the Grizzlies stand. The Grizzlies with the loss today to the Jazz, obviously, having lost their first four games in the bubble, keep are keeping that eighth place, but doesn't look great right now. So if things stand, if the playoffs were to start right now, we'd have a Grizzlies-Blazers play-in game, which I would definitely favor the Blazers. Um, but anything could happen. The Pelicans, Suns, Spurs, all playing pretty good basketball and could move up even more. So we'll have to keep our eye on that. So interesting things. We've got four more games, four more seeding games pretty much for each team, four or five to see where everyone's going to end out before the playoffs start in about a week and a half. Um, when um, In this segment, looking at the NBA overall, I've decided I want to break it down into a few categories just to talk about different things that we've seen throughout the league. Um, so I think we're going to start with the team of the week. And the team of the week in the restart, it's been tough. There have been lots of teams playing well, but I had a two-way tie. It was tough for me to choose. I went with the Toronto Raptors and the Portland Trailblazers. One team from the East, one team from the West, but, I mean, they're both playing at a great level. So you look at the Blazers. We'll start with them. Their first game against the Grizzlies, they're down most of the game. The Grizzlies, obviously... This is a huge game for seeding. They're playing with everything they got. It ends up going to overtime as John Morant trips with the game-winning chance, and the Blazers dominate overtime winning that game. Um, they've looked really solid. Their top guys, obviously, C.J. McCollum had a big game, 33 points, Dame with 29, Melo with 21. They've got their big guys back, Zach Collins, Nurkic. They've looked really tough. Gary Trent Jr., coming off the bench, providing a big lift. Their second game wasn't as pretty at the beginning. They trailed by 24 to the Celtics, but a big comeback by their boys, Dame and uh, CJ, helped them get the lead, actually, headed into the fourth quarter. In the end, they lose by four in a crazy game, but still showed lots of resilience and are looking really tough. Nurkic with 30, Dame with 30, Gary Tran Jr., 21. CJ, 17, Mello, 13. And then just last night, they take on the Rockets, and which was a, a great game. I watched it. And they win by eight in, uh, in regulation. Dame dropped 21, CJ, 20, Gary Trent, 16, Mello, 15, Nurkic, 18. I mean, they've just got a balanced attack these days. They've got Hassan Whiteside coming off the bench, giving them a double-double, so... They're going to be really tough to beat. I like what I see. And, I mean, maybe I'm a little biased, but, I mean, it's hard to go against Dame in any playoff-type situation. Every game means so much for them, and, and they've been money. So, I mean, if you haven't heard of this Gary Trent kid, he's coming in off the bench, and he's making shots. He, this this guy can flat-out play 16 points, 35 minutes. I mean, I mean, I knew of him since he was in at Duke in college, but – some people are just realizing this kid can play, and, and that just makes them all the more dangerous. Melo, obviously, with the go-ahead three to give them 
the win yesterday, and and he's been money. Just like what Dame said, it's a Hall of Famer. What can you expect? So from the West, that's my team of the week. Now we look at the East, the Toronto Raptors. A surprise to some, but, I mean, if you follow basketball, this can't be a shock. Their first game, Los Angeles Lakers, Toronto Raptors, and the Raptors win by 15. Look at this for a second. Fred Van Vliet, 13 points. Kyle Lowry, 33 points, 14 rebounds. I mean, the man is doing work. OG Ananui put in work from the three, 23 points. They're just playing really solid basketball. Beat the Lakers by 15. I mean, that's saying something right there. Game number two against the Heat. Tough game, tough fought. Pascal Siakam, Spicy P, 22 points. Fred Van Vliet, the man was on fire, 36, and they get the win. So this is the defending champions. I mean, they've got that swagger. They're, they're here to win. They don't feel like they get respect. You look at the statistics. No, sorry. You look at the statistics, the number one defensive team in the league. I mean, this is a team that you're going to have to beat if you're Milwaukee, if you're Boston in the East. This is not easy. And um, they're definitely my team of the week for the, for the first week of the restart here in Orlando. Player of the week. How about TJ Warren? Put some respect on that guy's name. I mean, this guy is straight out balling. First game, Philadelphia 76ers and Warren with the Pacers drops 53 points. I think he went seven seven for eight from three. I mean, the guy was insane. He was going crazy. Second game, let's see. Sorry. Second game against the... Wizards, 34 points. Third game against the Magic yesterday, 32 points. He's averaging 40 points per game in the first three games. Obviously, the, the, the Pacers haven't lost yet. One of the only two teams to do that, them and the Suns. I mean, he's just looked great. If you didn't know who this man was, he was on the Phoenix Suns. 14th pick in the NBA draft 2014. Came out of NC State. I remember watching him in... In March Madness going off, he has always been a scorer, 6'8". He can shoot the ball. Um, the the Suns, though, in the offseason, getting rid of him for money, not even a player, not even a trade, just dumped him for some cash. And he's showing them on the season, averaging 19 a game. I mean, the guy, the guy can score, and he's been the player of the week for sure here in the bubble, helping the Pacers to start undefeated. Interesting enough, they will play tomorrow against the Phoenix Suns. So those two undefeated teams here in the bubble will face off. Should be a fun game to watch. My game of the week, got to go back to, to almost opening night. Man, this game was crazy. Last Friday night, Houston versus Dallas, a game that went to overtime. One of the highest scoring games I have seen, and it was insane. 153-149, the final score. Before going through the stats and everything, I mean, the finish was crazy. So so the Dallas is leading most of the game, and I think it was a seven-point game with a minute left. Harden comes down and hits the three, and, and they end up just making some plays. But they're still down two. James Harden's at the free throw line and, and somehow misses a free throw, and it bounces off perfectly. Robert Covington comes around, gets the board, and puts it back in to tie it. So we go to overtime, and then in overtime, Harden did his thing, and, and the Rockets hit some threes, and they took the dub. 
So it was a crazy game to watch. Really entertaining if you like basketball, if you like scoring. Not a lot of defense, but just look at the stat line. Harden dropped 49, nine boards, eight assists. Russell Westbrook, 31, 11 boards, eight assists. We look on the Mavericks side of thing. Porzingis dropped 39. Uh, Tim Hardaway with 24. Luka Doncic with 28. Trey Burke out of nowhere with 31. I mean, this was a high-scoring game. Lots of threes. Really fun to watch. Really, really good to get back in the swing of things. And, I mean, both these teams are playing for a lot. Dallas obviously going into the restart. Didn't want to be in that seven spot so they wouldn't have to play the Clippers in the first round. Now it's looking like. That's what's going to happen. But it was just really a high-intensity game and and really fun to watch. So, I mean, there have been so many great games. That was a tough decision. But going back to that one, that was, that was lots of fun to watch for sure. And to end off this segment on the NBA, um, the play of the week. I mean, there would be lots of great plays, but this one was hands down for me. I mean, it wasn't really close. Devin Booker yesterday, in the game that was up there with the game of the week, Suns versus Clippers, it was back and forth the whole way. Suns actually having the lead most of the game. I think they're up six with two minutes left. Kawhi, Len- Kawhi Leonard, sorry, excuse me, drills two shots in a row, and this, the, the Clippers end up tying it. So the Suns got the ball at 30 seconds left. If you haven't seen the clip, you got to look it up. Um they actually almost turn it over, somehow get the ball back with six seconds. Uh, Booker dribbles into a double team as Kawhi Leonard comes to help. He does a turnaround with one second left. Paul George is literally right up in his face. I mean, it was probably the best defense you can play. And somehow Book nails it on him at the buzzer to give the Suns the win. I mean, it was nuts. I was watching the game and I just went crazy. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a Suns fan. I I respect Devin Booker, the man can flat out score, but that was that was crazy. So if you haven't seen the clip, you got to watch it. That's my play of the week for sure. D Book giving the the Suns the win, three and zero in the bubble for them after beating the Mavericks, the Wizards, and now the Clippers. I mean, they're they're playing really good. So. Still about a few games out of the, the nine spot, but we'll see if they can make it there. Anyways, that was a that was a great play and and what's been really a great first week of, of action here in the NBA bubble. So we just know that intensity is gonna keep up. I mean we got the playoffs coming, so should be lots of fun to wa- uh to watch and and to to track and see how everything's going. Anyways, thank y'all for listening and we'll end up with the last segment here on the Brando Show after this. Hello and welcome back to the third and final segment of today's show. Um, The very first episode of the Brando Show. Brand new podcast. Again, I'm Brandon Eddy, the host. And, well... First of all, thanks for listening in. Um, for those of you that don't already follow, hit us up on our social media accounts, Twitter at Brando underscore show, Instagram Brando underscore show underscore, and you'll keep up to date with every new episode that I drop, everything that I talk about, all of the newest 
themes and things that we touch based on here in the brand new show. So today I'd like to end out the segment with um, something that I'm personally passionate about and like to talk about a lot, which is the culture of the game of basketball, specifically shoes and the fits that the players like to wear. Now, if you aren't into this type of stuff, bear, bear with me here, but really it's something that I think is fascinating and I really like to see the players express their personalities by the type of clothes and shoes, obviously, that they wear. Um, if you follow me on Twitter, I will, after this episode is up and running, repost or retweet, sorry, um, pictures of my favorite fit of the week and shoes of the week, which I'll explain now. So to start with the best outfit of the week down in the bubble, I mean, there have been some players that are, are coming with the regular heat. Obviously, they're not maybe used to playing in the summer, so it's been a little different. Um, down there in Orlando, they've had to bring all their clothes in a bunch of suitcases. Really just a different situation than the regular season where, where players are just having some some crazy outfits like we've seen through the years with, for example, Russell Westbrook or you know Jordan Clarkson, lots of these players. But I would... I have to give this week's fit of the week to the very own Tim Hardaway Jr. Shooting guard for, or excuse me, small forward for the Dallas Mavericks, who's really been playing well for them. But man, did he rock this fit. So I will, I'll retweet it again. Um, BR Kicks, Bleacher Report Kicks tweeting it out. It's an outfit that he rocked that, I mean, it's hard to explain. He's got like some type of, um, I don't know. It's really, really unique. Um, almost like scribbles on his shirt and his shorts with the white shoes and the white socks. And next to it, there's a picture of MJ who rocked a very similar fit probably about 30, 20 years ago. So it's really, I mean, I, I, I dug it. I dig it and had to, had to nominate that for my fit of the week here on the show. But, I mean, like I said, I will retweet it so you can all see and, and see what you think. But, I mean, obviously, there's a difference between his fit and MJ. Um, with the coronavirus pandemic, he's rocking a mask. <laughs> he's got the backward hat, got some shades, but he really did rock it. So, Tim Hardaway Jr., shout out with the, the fit of the week. Now for the shoes of the week. So, when talking, talking shoes, um, we're going to be looking at on the court and off the court. So the best shoes I saw on the court this week, and obviously we can expect lots of different colorways. Donovan Mitchell dropped his um, Don Issue 2s, LeBron with the LeBron 18s. I mean, they're just new shoes releasing, obviously, um, at this point of the year, and, and the players are getting to, to wear them down in Orlando. So we've seen lots of different colorways, lots of different things. But I would have to stay with my very own Utah Jazz for the kicks of the week. Not Donovan Mitchell, but Mike Conley. I'll retweet this one as well. Um, Monday night when the Jazz took on the Lakers, they were wearing their city uniforms, which if you haven't seen them, they're pretty sick. They've got the, um, the Red Rock Utah outline from red to yellow pretty much on the jerseys. Just some great jerseys that they've rocked for, I think, three years now. Mike Conley, obviously, his first year on the Jazz. 
he's got some player edition Air Jordan 34s that are this colorway with red, yellow, white, black. I mean, he's rocking them. They're pretty sick, honestly. On 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 foot, I'll have to retweet that picture out. But it was nice. Uh, the Jazz obviously didn't get the win, sadly. Played pretty well against the Lakers, but his shoes were popping for sure. And then off the court, the kicks of the week, I actually just saw these. The release date is unknown at this point looking like they're gonna drop in the winter of 2020 um, around christmas time but these are the air jordan one um retro high ogs midnight navy i've never seen this colorway obviously we've seen lots of jordan one highs me personally being a big fan of jordan ones i mean hard to beat i think the best shoe in the game um but this navy colorway, you got a silver swoosh. Um, you got that high, high kicks. I mean, you could rock this with pretty much any outfit, and they're pretty dope. So I'll I'll retweet that one as well, so y'all can see and look forward to copying those. It looks like holiday, twenty twenty. So those are pretty sick. Um, with the fit of the week, shoes of the week. I mean, check out the Twitter, check out the Instagram for those. As for the other sports recap to, to, to probably end out the show today, we are in the middle of the first day of the PGA Championship. So the first major of the year in golf is underway. Obviously, PGA Championship usually is the last major of the year. But with the coronavirus pandemic changing the schedule and everything, we have finally got to a major for golf. So with just a quick look at the leaderboard, obviously the first day is underway. We're not even over. But Jason Day, five under with the lead. He shot, let's see, a 65 opening day, par 70 on this course in TPC Harding Park in San Francisco. So he takes a lead all by himself in first. Lots of players tied for second, notably Brooks Kepka, Zach Johnson, Justin Rose. And then tied for 10th and three under is our very own Tony Finau. So if you didn't know, Tony Finau, obviously from Salt Lake, Utah, um, repping the home, the home boy right here, shot a 67, a good day for Tony, two shots off the lead. And here on the Brando Show, we will be keeping up to date with him. He's our man. Um, Tony obviously hasn't won a major, has been very close many times. Many people looking for him to break through this year. So we'll see if this is the weekend that he does it. And shot a three under, shot, had a good first round, and we'll see what he can do. Tiger um, shot an 68 two under. Pretty good coming off of, obviously, injuries. Hasn't played a bunch of um, competitive rounds recently. So lots of positives for Tiger. I think he ended there with two birdies and then a bogey. Um, to be at two under. Only three shots off the lead, so let's see if maybe he can make some noise tomorrow. Obviously, all eyes will be on Tiger if he's up there at the top of the leaderboard. So it looks like it should be an interesting weekend, exciting one for sure in golf. The first major, everyone's playing. Jason Day with the lead. Other sports that we like to keep tab on here on the, BYU, on the Brando show, excuse me, BYU football. So lots of question marks headed into the BYU football season. Obviously, the Cougars were going to open the season at Utah. 
that game canceled about a month ago now um, as the Pac-12 moved to a conference only. And many, many conferences have followed the Big Ten, the SEC, ACC doing a conference plus one, Big 12 conference plus one. So BYU, in total, six of their 12 games were canceled and at this point are just looking to reschedule um, games and, and really trying to see who will, who will they play. So the Cougars this morning, some breaking news, announced their first matchup of the year will be at Navy. A cool connection there, obviously, BYU head football coach Kalani Sataki and Navy football coach Ken Niamatololo. I'm sorry if I, I killed that last name. Good friends, both from Hawaii. Um, obviously, with that, with that descent, and, and they hooked up that game. So BYU will open this season. Monday night, interesting, Labor Day um, on ESPN at 6 p.m. here Mountain Time. So that's a great matchup. Lots of eyes will be on that one as one of the first football games of the season, as many teams have postponed and looking to start around October. So it should be awesome. We'll watch the Cougars at Navy. Navy, obviously, a team that was 11-2 and last year. Just a great program. Should be fun to watch. So that's the news for the Cougars, obviously. In the upcoming weeks, I'm sure we'll be able to see the rest of the schedule come to life and we'll know what we're looking forward to. Um, anyways, that's pretty much our recap for the week. Um, as, as we said at the beginning of the show, the Jazz, four games, they've got the Spurs tomorrow and, and they're going to keep going. The NBA restart in full swing. We got the fit of the week, shoes of the week, and our other sports recap. So, Thank you for listening in to the first show. I, I hope that you've enjoyed it. Any feedback um, is welcome. Follow us again on Instagram, on, on Twitter, and hit us up in those comments, um, and we'll hit you with another episode here soon. Thanks for listening. See ya.